and when you get caught and you will eventually get caught, your stakeholders will lose all confidence in you. At, at best, you're going to be kind of a lame duck in your organization. At worst, you're going to be looking for a new job. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And we're back again for another one. How are you doing? I'm dragging. I'm uh, I'm trying to make it across the finish line for the week here. I'm trying not to like right. fall for the trap of just brewing some more uh, espresso. So we'll see if I can get my energy up and going here. We'll, see. well, I'll try to get you fired up with uh, with today's episode. You 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 sometimes do that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm ready to go. Um, you know, just got back in, you know, I'll, 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 you know, set you up with a joke. You know, I just flew back in from a client visit and, uh, man, I had way too much coffee. I had coffee <laughs> at the hotel before I left I had a cup yeah. of coffee at the airport before I boarded the flight had, and I had a layover. So I had coffee on the flight and coffee on the second flight. So like, I'm like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's let, let, let's go. Yeah. Well, you'll bring the balance then. Yeah. Um, so this week, I, I want to pivot the conversation a bit, but it ties back to the last several episodes um, that we, we've recorded. Um, we've talked recently about like running your analytics organization much like a business. We've talked about proving value when not tied directly to revenue. And in both of those topics and, and in previous episodes before that too, we've come back around to the theme of conflict of interest, especially when you're talking about an analytics team that is tied directly to, to revenue or even just not just revenue conversion regardless, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can even broaden, you know, the, the, the purpose of the business, the website, whatever you're measuring, um, tying it to, to conversion. And so I want to talk a bit about conflicts of interest, um, you know, how they can happen, how analytics teams can avoid them. So for the next two episodes, I want to focus on that um, with today being how can conflicts of interest happen, you know, with an analytics practice. And in some ways, this is going to be a continuation of talking about being close to revenue and conversion and stuff like that. But there's other ways as well. But... I thought I'd first like, let's just get the textbook definition out of the way of what a conflict of interest is. I know those listening to this know what it is, but I feel like that would be a decent setup. Like, what is the textbook definition? And if I look up conflict of interest, um, I see two, two straightforward definitions. One is a situation where the concerns or aims of two different parties are incompatible. Um, and then the other is a situation in which a person is in a position to derive personal benefit from actions or decisions made in their official capacity. 
And I think um, it's that second one that really kind of resonates and aligns with with kind of what we're talking about here, right? Uh, I it mostly the second one. I think I could think of a few examples with the first one, like um, you know, conflicts of interest of like say analytics is tied close to product, um, and instead of being a voice of reason or the what's the the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the, uh, it'll come back to me, but like being <laughs> that voice of reason and not just being the rubber stamp for product, you know, if analytics is just the rubber stamp of product for product, that is where you could have a conflict of interest. Cause then analytics is no longer unbiased, but yes, like you have those, but yes, that second one is really where I think, um, analytics organizations can fall into a trap and fall into a conflict of interest, which calls into question the integrity, the honesty, all of those things that go with an analytics organization, which we've talked a lot about a bit, a lot about before is an analytics organization for them to provide the most value for a business. It's to be an independent voice outside yeah. of the various organizations, it product marketing, et cetera. Yeah. And, and not only is it, uh, an independent voice outside of the pressures of those organizations, which I believe we've talked about in past podcast episodes. Um, because, you know, me personally having worked client side and been in marketing and been in product and felt that uh, pressure to conform to, to those organizations best interests. Um, it's, it's a voice of reason, but ult, overarching as, as analysts, we really have a duty to the data, to allow the data to speak for itself and not put our own biases into the data. And we see this all the time. And in fact, it's interesting that we um, were talking about this today. We I think you had queued this episode up and I then went and started several conversations on LinkedIn about this topic, but not kind of specifics without even remembering that we were going to be talking about it. We see this all the time in our day-to-day -day life with journalists and others using data and skewing it to match their worldview or their best interest to sell more clicks or more eyeballs. And I got into a discussion on LinkedIn and, and someone said, well, I kind of give them a pass because they're not an analyst. And I'm like, okay, so Fair enough, I don't agree with that, but as analysts, sure, we should be held to a higher standard. We know what we're doing with, with the data, and if we're falling into that trap, we need to be really, really careful. But let me take a step back because I think this is a human problem. And so as we're talking about it as analysts, yes, there's very real conflicts that happen in, in the workplace that we need to be aware of, but I think it's really important to just understand and accept that this is a human problem issue that we all struggle with. And I, I posted on the, about this on LinkedIn just the other day um, concerning the Alaskan Airlines incident up in the Pacific Northwest with one of the, do the doors, uh, it wasn't a door. With one door of the plug, Boeing airplanes. A door plug for an unused emergency exit on one of the Boeing airplanes that had come off in, in flight. And someone on LinkedIn, you know, it was a hot, you know, anytime some of these events happen, what happens on LinkedIn, 
all the thought leaders like write an article about it and then spin it around. What can, you know, here are 10 lessons that you can learn as a data analyst from the Boeing door design, you know, but this one was more, this person added detail to the story that wasn't factual in order to turn the story into a story about the importance of faith and religion. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you're just making up facts. This didn't happen. And he was called out on it, not by me, I wanted to, but I just I just observed. Someone called him out and said, I don't think this is true. I don't think that actually happened. And he's like, well, it didn't actually happen, but it doesn't really take away from the facts of the story. So I added it in there because it fits my belief system. I'm like, bro, but we do that as analysts, I think subconsciously, and it's dangerous, right? We have this data, we have these beliefs about fill in the blank. You know, this is how we think our customers are interacting with our website. This is how we think they're adding items to the cart. And subconsciously, we're skewing the story, we're changing the data, we're massaging it in a way, we're adding facts that aren't there in order for the data to align with this worldview that we have about our customers, our website, you know, fill in the blank. And and I think a lot of times, more often than not, when this happens is that analysts aren't being manipulative and they're not doing this for, you know, their own personal gain or the gain of their team. I think a lot of times it's happening, happening subconsciously because we really want the data to say that thing, even though it doesn't. With that said, yes, there are times, and absolutely we've seen it. I think it's a lower percentage of the time, but we have seen it where analysts absolutely know what they're doing. They're they're manipulating the data in order for it to make the team that they report to. And in fact, this comes full circle to Boeing, by the way. And I didn't well, that wasn't I wasn't setting myself up for it. But, but you set yourself up nicely. But they're manipulating the data in such a way that the team that they report to looks better. So, oh, all of a sudden, I'm getting promoted. I'm getting a bonus. I'm getting a raise. Um, there were some people a lot smarter than me that a long time ago, before any of like the talking heads pointed out issues at Boeing, that pointed out issues at Boeing. And, and what they said is that the FAA investigators and um, not investigators, the FAA um, regulators, the people that are, I can't remember, I can't think of the right term, uh, the, the people that go on site at Boeing and other manufacturers to ensure that the level of quality. The inspectors. Is, the inspectors um, were literally embedded at Boeing. And they would go out to lunch with these people. And in fact, sometimes they were Boeing employees. And there's been a lot of pressure at Boeing to get the Dreamliner and the Max, like to get these out the door because the stock price was dependent on it. And as an employee, I get benefited from the stock going up. And and people were many, many months, if not years ago, were raising warning signs saying these FAA um, inspectors are too close and they're manipulating the results of their tests in order to look better for Boeing because there's some sort of payout emotionally or monetarily wise that they're getting from it. And we, you know, I think most of the cases of us as analysts, we're not putting people's lives at risk because we're allowing doors to fall off in flight. But we, we, we are, I think, abandoning our oath to be honest and ethical and allow the data to speak for itself. So that was a lot of rambling all over the place, but it's a, it's a very real world problem that we just face as people 
as analysts, it becomes that much more dangerous. And if I'm an analyst responsible for safety of autonomous vehicles and airplanes, then it's, you know, putting people's lives at risk if, 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 you know, I'm allowing that conflict of interest to happen. Yeah. Um, and one thing I learned, uh, early in my career, uh, there was someone I worked with who made a good point and it's always stuck with me. An actual conflict of interest doesn't have to exist for the appearance of one, which again, because that that's part, part of this is like just the appearance of lack of integrity. So it's, it's why it's, it's important to be diligent, not even to give the appearance of, of a conflict of interest in many of these cases, because as you were talking, um, I'm reminded of another story, uh, from about 15 years ago where unlike the, what you were talking about with Boeing, where people were intentionally manipulating the data, it's more of like the unintentional or the, the, the wish for things to be the way they are. You're just your biases. So I'm working for an e-commerce platform provider. And I think I've told the story before and it's when a lot of the, um, with at the time, I'm going to show my age a bit where they were calling like web 2.0, a lot more of like the, the flashy interactions with the site were becoming the thing, like a, a mini cart to pop up when you add something to your cart, the, that product page preview that popped up on the screen instead of clicking through to the product page, all of these little things that looked nice and fun, the product team was implementing and starting to roll out to, to clients. And when they were starting to look at the data, they were like, huh, you know, like the web analytics data wasn't showing any kind of benefit that they were hoping for that like these overlays would increase add to carts. It would increase a cart attachment, all of these things. So the company had an agency arm, which had a usability lab and they would bring in people routinely and the head of product he was he was maybe in the job for like six months it was the previous head of product that was really pushing this the head of development was pushing this he comes in and they they start doing usability studies on these things and like you actually see the actual customer interaction and the customers hated it like you see just pure frustration on people's faces people i I remember hearing about this because he came storming out of there he's like rip it down rip it down from every client website um because it's actually like interfering. Like people were talking about like the little product page preview things that would pop up, like would interfere and they're like, I just want to leave the site. Like I can't get to where I want to be. And so like you, you talk about these, these biases and not actually like fully investigating to say like, is my in, intuition correct? Or is my, are my suspicions correct that this is going to do this? Nope. It is. I know it will and just push it out. Yeah, and I think I think that I mean you've hit on a very real real problem, and and again I think something as analysts we've probably all faced it at one point in our career. And uh, I, I remember a very specific incident uh, where I had come up with this hypothesis that, um, and I'm I was analyzing uh, subscription data for an online dating company that I worked directly for. I had come up with this hypothesis that. Um, there was an inverse relationship between consumer confidence and um, uh, subscriptions on our platform as like confidence in, in um, 
the economy went down, people were like, well, I guess I might as well just go out and date and have some fun. That was my hypothesis. And I, and I got all this consumer confidence data and I matched it up with our subscription data. And I noticed like a five or six month pattern where there was this really strong inverse correlation as, as consumer confidence went down, our subscriptions went up. I'm like, oh, I'm onto something. And then I expanded the timeline out to a year and then it fell apart. And instead of thinking, hmm, I wonder if there's another variable that can describe that six months where, yes, consumer confidence is part of it in combination with another thing, and that's repeatable time and time again, let me figure that out. My initial thought was, I'll just keep the timeline small, and then it looks good. And that was my initial thought, and I'm like, wait a minute, whoa, what am I talking about? You know, like, but I had that very real thought go through my head because I had already convinced myself that this was a thing and I wanted to prove it. And I wanted to run to the executive team. It's like, I found this amazing thing. And I had, luckily I stopped myself before doing that. But again, like, I think we all get that pressure, whether it's coming externally or a lot of times, again, internally, because we've built these biases and beliefs and we want so badly for the data to conform to that. But as analysts, we have to throw up that stop sign and say, whoa, wait a minute. I, I can't allow, my, you know, the way I think to to allow me to manipulate the numbers. And what I said on LinkedIn is because when you do and when you get caught and you will eventually get caught, your stakeholders will lose all confidence in you. At, at best, you're going to be kind of a lame duck in your organization. At worst, you're going to be looking for a new job. Uh, because they're really relying on you to be that independent voice. And as soon as you break that trust, it's near impossible to rebuild. Yeah. And it seems like in many organizations, like analytics, and I'll just say it goes the lazy route and is okay with being that rubber stamp for other organizations. Um, That when an organization doesn't like what they hear. Um, and I've, I've heard of this happening. The organization says, we need to change up the metrics. You know, if this, if say they pick a particular metric to that, that shows success, if that doesn't happen, well then no, we know it's successful. We just, we're just not using the right metrics. We need to change it up. And I've seen an <laughs> analytics organization go right along with it and say, yeah, you're right. That, that we should measure it with this other metric instead. So, you know, like um, juicing the numbers to get exactly what they want. Yeah. I, um, I'm i trying to remember back to the example, but I one time was asked to validate the numbers that were going to be used by the CFO of a company in a quarterly earnings call. And one of the numbers, I'll just call it metric X, looked odd to me. So I went back and recalculated it and it was different from my calculations. And I'm like, hmm, okay, let me recalculate it again. I went back and recalculated it again. It was different from my calculations. So I went to the VP of marketing and I said, uh, can you help me understand what's going on here? Um, I, I saw that you included this number for the CFO to talk about in the quarterly earnings call. It fell off to me. I went back and recalculated it. I'm coming up with something vastly different than what you're coming up with. And and the VP of marketing said, yeah, yeah, we know. We, we know kind of how the, the number, the analytics, or the formula the analytics is using for this number. But we came up with a slightly different formula that makes um, the marketing performance look better. 
And I said, okay, well, wait a minute. Is it more accurate? Well, no, no, no. I mean, it's not more accurate. It just makes us look better. I'm like, whoa, no, no, no. We're not doing this, right? But the, it, it happens more often than I think anyone cares to admit where we're, we're either cherry picking certain metrics or we're manipulating the definition of metrics that are very common. So let's say, you know, a conversion rate or a, you know, something that as we say it, the larger industry or people should say, oh, okay, I understand. Like, you know, that's a, someone that starts it versus someone that completes it. Um, but we manipulate it and add all this nuance into it. And, and to make it worse, we're not transparent about what the calculation is. We know we're playing on that belief of, okay, this is basic math, but we're playing on the belief of that people are not going to ask, well, what's the calculation to understand that we've manipulated it in order to make it look better um, for what, you know, our organization wants to see. Yeah. And I will never forget that one client six or seven years ago where we came in, helped them fix their web analytics data. And after we fixed everything, you, we come to find out as part of like the, the post fix analysis that their numbers that they were using to make decisions were greatly inflated. And they ultimately came back to us and asked, um, could you break them again? Because we've been making decisions <laughs> off of them. So we want to go off the old way of doing it instead of the correct way. And that's not an outlier though. That happens no. all the that happens all the time. I you know I remember doing a funnel analysis and and again similar scenario coming up with completely different results. And I did some digging, and I said why why are my numbers not aligning with your numbers? Like well four years ago, um, our analytics team misimplemented the conversion tracking through the funnel, and we've been using that as our baseline. So. As things have been corrected, we go back and re-manipulate the numbers to align with the broke the way they were broken before. How do I do this on the podcast? Like what? Like you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> but again, like I think so often people don't think about it as like an ethical decision. Like there's a boundary that we shouldn't be crossing and and it's just this is just business you know we're expected to manipulate these numbers and the data in order for us to to look better everyone else is doing it right it's it's almost like the um the 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 tour de france back you know what 15 years ago or so it's like everyone was doping and so it's like well everyone's doing it so we have to do it you know that's that's kind of the momentum i feel like we're getting where we keep seeing these things coming up and we're calling it out and well everyone else is doing it so we have to do it do it too to keep up well who's gonna break the cycle of cheating basically i mean we're cheating the data who's gonna break the cycle and say no you know i'm gonna compete fairly here yeah and that that that's the concerning thing because you're right like you were talking a few you know a few minutes ago about that one time, like you had your biases, you were starting to do your analysis and you're like, well, if I just do this, you weren't intentionally trying to, to do anything. You weren't trying to be malicious, but you caught yourself like, whoa, I almost fell for that trap to make the mm -hmm. data the way I want it to be. Like, yeah. that's the concerning thing is, is let's take the malicious actors out. Just this kind of like, whether it be like, 
I want to make people happy, so let me give them what they want to hear. Or I have friends over there that I go to lunch with all the time, and I don't want to report that their new marketing program that they spent a lot of money on and they fought for is not converting. I don't want to hurt their feelings or go to their boss with data that shows that it's not working. Or I just really think this is going to work, so if I just tweak the data just this way, it shows I'm right. Like Those are things that are like, Again, they're not malicious. They're semi-intentional, I'll say, but it's just kind of like this little this little idea, if I just do this, that's really concerning. Yeah, and there's potential conflict there, right? And, I, and it's kind of the topic of, of this episode. And uh, I'll, rem- I, I'll go back to the time the CEO gave me some really good advice. He said something like, Jason, if on a quarterly basis, I'm not hearing from a few people in the organization that they're upset at you, you're not doing your job. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he's like, look, I know you're friends with lots of these people that are in marketing and in product and in engineering and in customer support. And sometimes you're going to have to deliver some not so nice news about their performance, their marketing spend, their fill in the blank. And if because they're friends of yours or, you know, you don't want to make waves, you manipulate the data to, you know, not expose those those things that need to be exposed, um, then you're not doing the job I hired you for. And I fully expect that you're going to ruffle some feathers when you go in and say, you know what, that marketing campaign we we ran last quarter um, lost us a lot of money, and here's why. And I fully expect to hear from someone in marketing that Jason's being mean and we're upset at Jason. That means you're doing your job. And look, I mean, it's, it's not saying that we should go out and be jerks and be malicious, but we also have to know that this isn't, you know, we're not doing this to personally attack people. And I think that that's important. You know, we shouldn't be going after and saying, well, the VP of marketing, you know, screwed this up. No, you know, we're, we're, we're evaluating programs and initiatives. This campaign that ran last quarter lost us a half a million dollars because X, Y, and Z. Um, And, and again, like as analysts, we tend to be um, very introverted. We tend to be very non-confrontational. And if we, if we take that, um, knowledge about ourselves and then extend it to, I'll just manipulate the numbers. So I don't have to have this tough conversation with marketing. Again, we're not fulfilling our role that, you know, the CEO that, you know, people that are responsible for the financial health of the company ultimately hired us for like, we need the real insights. We need to see the real story, the good, the bad, the ugly, in order to properly run our business. And and if we're manipulating those results, you know, again, on a much less catastrophic scale, we're gonna start having Boeing incidents where doors fly off because we're looking the other way because we don't want our friends in the organization to feel bad. Yeah, and, and we're gonna continue this conversation next week and really getting into like how to prevent it, how to resolve it. Um, but where I wanna start wrapping up this week's conversation around this is, is to your point about like the situations with Boeing, um, that, that have come up, um, and the, the regulators and inspectors there that they've pointed out, like within an analytics organization, and you mentioned one thing already, you know, stakeholders losing, losing faith in you. Um, how can a conflict of interest impact an analytics practice? Um, again, we'll start with what you already mentioned, like loss of trust, faith, and the appearance of lost integrity for the team. Um, what are some of the other things that can happen? Well, it's a snowball, right? Um, 
I think, you know, when it when it starts with losing trust in you, that gets extended to the data. Well, you know, Jason manipulated this analysis. What's the rest of the data look like? Are we is that being manipulated? Can we trust that it's fair and accurate? And once we start losing trust in the data um, and in the individuals and then in the in the in the analytics organization, what happens? Well, well, we stop using their services. We stop using the tools. The executive team's like, well, why are we paying for these people and these platforms? Because no one trusts them, and it's a it's a downward spiral. And and we either, you know, put a stop to it and put in the hard work to rebuild that trust, or what ultimately happens is the analytics teams flee to another organization and leave it to someone else to come in and and unfortunately have to clean up. Yeah. Um, and where I'll leave it, and just to, to tack on there, like I had mentioned before, it you don't need to be a malicious actor yourself. You don't need to go in and intentionally be manipulating things to cause a conflict of interest. Um, and if analytics teams and analytics programs are to be the voice of reason, to be the counterbalance for other opinions and other ideas and just the you know, what the organization wants to do, if they are to be the ones that bring the data to what everybody is saying needs to be done, then you you just can't assume there's not a conflict of interest. You need to make sure that what we're doing is is free of that and we're not even giving the presentation of potentially one. Yeah. And and again I like the the leaving thought I will the leaving thought I will leave with everybody <laughs> is um, that it's it's on two different planes. It's ex- external and internal. So yes, we face that external pressure um, to have a conflict of interest to align our interests with some group that would benefit us. It's our friends, it's financial, but there's also this internal conflict where we have our own existing biases and worldview and we need to be very aware of when we're allowing that to manipulate the results of our data capture, our data analysis, because that's the scary one because it happens unintentionally. It, it, it happening subconsciously. You really have to be highly self-aware to catch yourself when you see yourself subconsciously manipulating the data so that it matches your worldview. So let's go ahead and leave everybody there. We'll, we'll continue the conversation around topics or conflicts of interest and that, that topic next week. But I think as, as we start the new year off, um, and again, I'll just go back to what we talked a lot about last year. We're still seeing analytics organizations plagued by low budgets, low investment, many ways. I mean, there's still high interest. There's a lot being demanded of them, but they're not given the resources needed. Analytics organizations need to make sure that these kind of things don't hinder them any more than they're already being hindered. Absolutely. You know, if we, if we go down this trap, we're only making the situation worse. Our, our ability to rebuild the trust and, and get the budgets back is being highly aware of where we have conflicts and making sure that we're allowing the data to speak for itself. Yeah, and actually one more thing that as I was saying that came to mind is is it could feel like the easy answer. Well, let me make the director of product happy. Let me make this VP of marketing happy by giving them the data that they want for the new feature that's been built, the new marketing campaign that went out, but it's actually the, a big way you can shoot yourself in the foot. Absolutely. 
yeah, we got to be super careful. Cool. Well, this was a good chat. Like I said, we'll continue it next week, and we'll talk to everybody later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics booth.